Dragnets. The Jack Benny Program. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. George Burns and Gracie Allen. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. We offer you Escape. Follow Miss Brooks. Suspense. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Fibber McGee and Molly. The Great Gildersleeve. Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? WGN Radio Theater. The special three-hour presentation with Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, about six minutes after 11 p.m. here on the WGN Radio Theater Program 387 in the series. It's May 18th. It's a Saturday evening. We'll be here till 2 o'clock in the morning. To my right, the vivacious Lisa Wolf. Did you have, uh, did you go to the spa or something like that? Yes, I did, Carl. You yeah. look fantastic. Well, I spent some time out in the sun. And then Did you? Uh, I went to the spa. Did you get a haircut? I got a lot of hairs cut. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I got a croup. Well, it's summertime, and you get hot with all that hair on. And your voice sounds deeper. I'm not sure what it is about well, you, Lisa. I think I might have spent a little too much time under the light. Is you know, that the, what it the, is? The sunlight, uh, a lamp thing? Yeah. Do our listeners know who this mystery voice is? I I would hope so. After many, many years because of listening... I would not know. Oh, it well. is the one and only Roger Baddish. Who? Oh, no, that's amazing. <laughs> What's I up, love Roger? listening to him. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change your voice now. I'm going to make it deeper. You ready? I have, a, I have a control here. Oh, you do? Here we go. I'm changing it right and now. Yeah. Hi, Hi, Carl. How you hey, doing? Hey, Good Roger. to be here with you. Yeah, what's going on, Roger Baddish? Oh, nothing. I, you know, I was home taking my usual Saturday nap, and my phone starts making a lot of noise, and I saw it was from you, and I turned it off, went back to sleep. Very good. Well, that. <laughs> Well, Lisa is on uh, vacation today and tomorrow, so you are so uh, you are so uh, cordial to be my co-host for these uh, these nights, and uh, I appreciate that. My pleasure. Hopefully, cordial is not an actual word that I've uh, hu- used in my. Well, you are cordial. Well, you are I cordial. That. Very you. cordial. Yeah. Handsome too. Well, let's not get carried Cor- away. Well, I always say the vivacious Lisa, <laughs> That's the handsome true. Roger Baddish. Well, all right, if you say so. And you know what? We're going to start things off. We'll Yelts are 2 o'clock in the morning, by mm-hmm. the way. Yeah. And we're going to start things off with uh, my favorite classic radio show, and I think it's one of yours, too, Boston Black. I love Boston Black. Oh, yeah. Boston one of Black my top ten, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. Then Jack Benny on the wow. Jack Benny program. Rochester. And then the Cisco <laughs> Kid from 1958. And we're also going to play our game, Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous, brought to you by... Cat's Pride, and uh, we're going to do something slightly different okay. throughout uh, the three times we play the game tonight and then also tomorrow. It's all going to be the celebrities will all be directors, famous Ooh. directors. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the first one is Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, classic. Yeah. You and just start out with the big one right off are, the bat. Right, right off the He probably yeah. was the biggest one. In more ways than one. Yeah. I'm oh, sure. wait a second. Hang on a second. <laughs> you got I'm going to say that again. He probably yeah. was one of the biggest ones. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed you get out the 
with Lisa, you use that little $5 little sound effect thing. Oh, I have and with it. with me... I have it. Well, it's not... I mean, you've got that thing now. I've got two sound effects, so be careful. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll take the third caller. What do they win, by the way, if they call and well, play the game I'm with us? Well, I'm telling you, we have got yeah. uh, a choice of two things. Well, no, you got to no, pick... Just one? Just one thing. All right, wait a minute here. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe, Carl says to pick this one. Wow, right off the bat. What is it? Desktop indoor weather station brought to you by American Weather Makers Heating and Cooling. The 60-minute men call 855-955-HVAC. We'll play the game right after these words. Stick around. Come on, baby. Play our game, Roger. Who do we have on the line? We have Stephen on the line. Stephen, are you there? Yeah, hi. How are you? Doing great. Good. Oh, there's that darn echo again. We got the echo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Okay. Hang in there with us, Stephen. It's okay. You're you're not the echo. Yeah, we have an we, echo. We're kind of echoey. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So it's all about uh, famous directors uh, this yeah. weekend. Start things off with Alfred Hitchcock. It's real or ridiculous. Here's the first question for Stephen, and then you'll be his lifeline, okay? Oh, okay. All Sounds right. good. Stephen, Alfred Hitchcock directed 53 films and made cameo appearances in all but two of them. Is that real or ridiculous? Hmm. Real. Roger? Yeah, well, I know about him playing uh, a role in each. I didn't hear that he missed two of them, but I'm, I'm going to go with real. All right, you're both wrong. It's ridiculous. Oh. Hang on a second. I stumped you. He oh, made sorry, He Steven. made cameos in 39 of his films, so he did not make a cameo appearance in 14 of oh. them. Oh. Yeah. All right, stumped all you guys. Right, it's yeah. all right. Here's the next question. In Psycho, Hitchcock used Hershey's chocolate syrup for the blood in the shower scene. Stephen, is that real or is that ridiculous? I'm going to call it Roger for my lifeline. Um, I I think it's real because of the way it showed up in uh, in the shots in black and white. And and I'm probably going to be wrong because there's probably some other condiment that could have been used, but I'm going to go with the chocolate. All right, so, Stephen, here you go. Yeah. Yeah, the answer is uh, real. Hitchcock did not like the way pig's blood looked when filmed in the scene, so they used Hershey syrup for the blood. Since the film was black and white, it did not matter what the blood uh, that the blood was dark brown. What do yeah. you think? Well, there Probably you go, a little thicker when it's mixed in with the water too. Yeah, it kind of it yeah. moved the way he. It just it looked a lot better yeah. on film. Yeah. All right, so uh, you you guys are one for two, and here's the third question about Hitchcock: All of the birds seen in the film, the birds are real. Is that real or ridiculous, uh, Stephen? Real. Yeah, yeah, I'm going with that, too. He the, Hitchcock was known for being as real as possible. Well. Oh, no. Guys, both are wrong. Sorry, ridiculous. Oh. The majority uh-huh. of the birds seen in the film are real, but it is estimated that more than $200,000 was spent on the creation of mechanical birds for the film. Oh. 
So there you go. Uh, Steven, you are a winner, though. Yeah, you, it doesn't uh, matter. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Uh, it was great to have you playing along, Steven. You get a desktop indoor weather station brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling, the 60-Minute Men. Just call 855-955-HVAC. And you don't have to call, Stephen, because we'll be sending it to you. You don't have to call them for it, okay? Okay, thank you very Thanks much. very much, sure. Stephen. You're a big winner. We appreciate you. We appreciate our listeners, yeah. and I appreciate you co-hosting the show with me well, tonight and much. tomorrow, Roger. But right now, it's yeah. time for Boston yeah. Blackie. All right, one of the best uh, detective series of the golden age of radio. Uh, it started out in 1944, starring Chester Morris, who you know was playing Boston Blackie in the movies That's at right. that time. Yeah. But then uh, he only did it for one summer season. He was not able to do the syndicated version. They cast Dick Kalmar as Boston Blackie. He was married at the time to Dorothy Kilgallen. Wow. Yeah. From the game shows. That's right. And she was yeah. a big columnist. She was sort of yeah. the Barbara Walters of her day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a uh, great series, Boston Blackie. He was a uh, amateur thief turned detective. Well, actually, right. he was a master thief, really. He, he was, was a great thief turned amateur detective. Yeah. He and turned to the good side. He turned to the good side. And we have an episode for you now from... April 23rd, 1945. This is actually the third episode in the syndicated series. Dick Kalmar stars in the Wentworth Diamonds. Here's part one now of Boston Blackie. If uh, you have all taken seats that satisfy you, gentlemen, we will proceed at once with the business at hand. Good. Uh, maps, photographs, and other data, Miss Arden. In your portfolio, Mr. Parker. Thank you, thank you. Gentlemen, we are faced with a crisis. We're in dire need of funds. And we shall acquire said funds from the Wentworth Diamonds. Net profit to us, a half million dollars. Of course, the Wentworth rocks are too hot to handle. Uh, the main stone, yes, we have no interest in that. We shall acquire our revenue from the two dozen smaller stones of the Wentworth collection. Uh, are we going to take it out at Lady Wentworth's home? Lady Wentworth has only a paste copy of the diamonds in her name. The real diamonds are in the National Vaults. At 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, the diamonds are to be transferred by armored truck from the National Vaults for two weeks' display at the Manchester Museum. It is there that we uh, appropriate them. They'll be heavily guarded at the museum, won't they? Uh, You will hire a dozen of the city's most capable trigger men. They'll be paid well. Uh, I get it. Rough stuff. You will lead the operations, Mr. Adams. Six guards will stand in our way. The two at the front door can be subdued at trigger point. The two at the entrance to the gallery in which the Wentworth collection is being displayed may have to be rendered uh, unconscious. The other two? The other two will be guarding the Wentworth diamonds. They are to be killed. When do you plan to do this? I'll inform you of the exact day and time of day. In the meantime, you'll study these maps and photographs at the Manchester Museum. Oh, 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 uh, one more thing. More? Yes, yes. We now come to that portion of our plans which involves the person known as Boston Blackhead. And now meet Richard Calmer as Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy, friend to those who have no friends. <laughs> Like walking in the rain, Blackie? That's a leading question. Where does it lead? 
Well, right now, Mary, around the corner to your apartment. Okay. Oh, it's been a wonderful evening. Yeah. I hope the three of us enjoyed it. The three of us? Sure. You and I and the man who's been following us. Someone following us? Why? Never had a man follow you before? Oh. Did you see someone? Yes. What do we do? Keep talking. About what? Oh, anything. Tell me a funny story. A funny story. So when I get through with him, this guy following us will have something to laugh about. All right. After we turn this corner here, I'll stop. But you go ahead. Cut across the grass and keep talking all the time. Here's the corner. Now, keep going. I'll hug the wall and get this fellow as he goes by. But what if he puts up a fight? About the only thing he'll get to put up is a squawk. Now, keep on talking. I stop here. Wish me luck. I do. It was really the funniest thing that's happened to me in weeks, Blackie. The telephone rang about 7 o'clock this morning. And a squeaky little voice asked for Ozzy. All right, you reach. Gee, boss, don't don't shoot. It's me. Shorty. Well, what? Wait a minute. Hey, Mary. Come on back. It's all right. It's a friend of mine. Uh, I've been telling you all night, boss. i got to talk to you. But not with a dame, Blackie. I I can't. Since one of you turned girl shy? Uh, This is Mary Wesley, Shorty. Mary, this is Shorty, an old pal of mine. Oh, uh, Shorty. How how do you do? Boss, i got to talk to you. And where nobody can see us. Well, if you two want to talk, you can come up to my apartment. Thanks, boss. This got to be private conferring. Come on, Shorty. It's all right. Mary doesn't talk. And besides, she makes good coffee. Oh. Hey, boss. Hey, you're, you're right as a parson. This is sure good coffee. How right are you about this frame? That's what I'd like to know. Well, I, I told you all I know, Blackie. And that's all I know. A high-class operator is going to snatch the Wentworth diamonds from the Manchester Museums. And you got it straight from one of the hoods who was hired as a trigger man. Well, from a guy who knew a guy who was hired. But I don't understand how they're going to involve you, Blackie. Well, the plan seems to be this. To dress one of the gunmen to look like me. He'll be called, uh, (laughs) Blackie several times during the holdup. Yeah, and they figure to knock off a couple of guards, see? So Blackie will get wrapped by the cops for murder. And then to cinch it. They're planting the big Wentworth diamond in Blackie's apartment. Is this really true? Probably, but that doesn't mean it's going to work. Well, what are you going to do? I don't know. I don't know when they're planning the robbery, so I don't know when to make sure to have an alibi. This is cute. Well, why don't you try calling Inspector Faraday? When I want somebody to laugh at me, I'll tell jokes. Oh, please, Blackie, please. It's the smartest thing. Will it make you happy? Very. All right. Thanks. I've always wanted a legitimate excuse to wake Faraday in the middle of the night anyway. Oh, he'll listen to you. I just know it. <laughs> like I listen to opera. Faraday's probably snoring so loud that he would... Hello? Faraday, this is your old pal, Blackie. Blackie, what's the idea of calling me up this time of night? <laughs> what's the matter, Sleeping Beauty? Were you dreaming you had the goods on me at last? Did you call me up to make jokes, Blackie? Because if you did, I... No. Listen, Inspector, and listen carefully. I'm not listening to anything from you. Go to bed and let me get some sleep. Wait. Faraday. Faraday. Did he hang up? Well, he didn't exactly invite me over for a midnight snack. Well, gee, boss, now what do we do? I know what you're going to do, Blackie. Leave town. Yeah, yeah, the lady's right, boss. You, you can't have no alibi two weeks long in this town. But if you just lamb out of town for two weeks... I well... don't like to take it on the chin any more than anybody else. But I'm not going to take it on the lamb. Oh, I know what you're thinking, darling. It's running away and you don't want to run away. But please, Blackie, please do it for me. 
Mm, I must be getting soft. Well, it's the thing you gotta do, boss. F for a lady's sake. Now, I'll get your train or plane reservations. You go to your apartment with Shorty, and I'll phone you there. I don't know why I'm doing this. I guess those looks of yours sure pack a wallet. Never mind my look. You just see to it that you pack a bag. Uh, how many shorts you want in a suitcase, boss? Oh, I don't know. Gosh, I wish that Chicago call would come in. Oh, well. Uh, Shorty, is there something that maybe you haven't told me yet? For instance, what time tomorrow are the diamonds being taken from the National Vaults to the museum? Uh, seven o'clock. To be in a museum at eight, see? An armored car is picking them up. No chance they intend to steal them en route. They're too well guarded in an armored car. Gee, boss. How do you know that diamonds would be picked up at the National Vaults instead of Lady Wentworth's house? Lady Wentworth wears only paste copies of the Wentworth diamonds. The real ones have always been in a vault. Gee, you know everything, boss. Well, I know I'm in the clear till those stones get to the museum at 8 tomorrow morning. Hmm, this is probably my Chicago call now. Or the dame with her reservations on a train, lady. Hello? Blackie, this is Barry. I couldn't get a plane reservation at all. I got a train reservation to Chicago just as you wanted. But it's not until Friday. All right, but I'll leave on Friday. Oh, but Blackie, to be perfectly safe, you have to be out of town before tomorrow morning. Look, honey, don't worry. Uh, I'll play Invisible Man until Friday. But I am worried, darling. What if they rob the museum before Friday? Then I'm in a jam. Well, if having an alibi will help, can't someone be with you all the time? You like the job for yourself? Oh, Blackie. <laughs> oh, Blackie, be serious. You know I can't meet you until 4 o'clock. That has to be a date. All right. Well, be careful, darling. Call me in the morning? I'll give you a ring at 10. See that you do. Night. Good night. Well, Shorty, looks like you and I have a chance to have a little fun. I can't leave town till Friday. Oh, gee, boss. But you better tell your pal Kingston in Chicago and tell him you're not coming to see him until Friday, huh? Not at all, short one. He's well, going to help me. Oh. Well, gosh, what can he do? He's in Chicago. He can give me a hand for one of his branch offices here. If I was... Oh, it's probably Charlie now. Mm. Hello? Mr. Charles Kingston of the Kingston Corporation in Chicago calling Mr. Boston Blackie. I'll take it, operator. Here's your party, Mr. Kingston. Hello, Blackie. Hello, Charlie. How are you, fella? Oh, swell, Charlie. Is the man who does favors in? Good. Am I trying to get Blackie? What is it? Can you hear me clearly? Sure. Go ahead. All right, Charlie. Here's what I want you to do. Hello? Morning, Mary. Oh, Blackie, I've worried all night long. Where are you? In my apartment. Stop worrying. But, Blackie, as long as you're in town and those... Look, Mary, everything's going to be all right. There's nothing to the... Blackie! Blackie! What's the matter? Blackie! May I see the timetable of the Wentworth Diamond robbery, Hazel? Here you are, Mr. Farthing. Good. Now, um, here on the chart, we can see what progress we will make today. Mm -hmm. It's 1.30. The men are here at this moment, a mile and a half south of the museum. Mm -hmm. In 15 minutes, the first of them will enter the museum and take their places. In 30 minutes, it'll all be over. <laughs> <laughs> You're smiling. Yes. You like the way I plan. Obviously. Ah. My schedule's right. This should be Mr. Boston Blackie. Come in. Here he is, Mr. Farthing. Boston Blackie. Oh. 
Won't you come in, Blackie? Do I have a choice? Not for the present. That'll be all, Tom. Right. I'm Roger Farthing. This is Miss Hazel Arden, my secretary. Hazel, the famous Boston Blackie. How do you do? How are you? You uh, know why you're here? Not to play house. When do my teeth start chattering? In uh, exactly 22 minutes, men in my employ are going to steal the Wentworth diamonds from the Manchester Museum and inadvertently kill two of the guards. One of the gunmen will be referred to by the others as uh, Blackie. You begin to see? Seeing is a little habit I picked up some time ago. Splendid. <laughs> As you probably know, the main Wentworth diamond is too distinctive to be of value to anyone other than its rightful owner. So? So, one of my associates is placing it in your apartment shortly after the robbery, then informing the police of its whereabouts. You will be forced to remain here until it is found. You understand? Perfectly. You know something, Blackie? Nothing disturbs you. I'd like to have you on my side. You want me on your side? Believe me, Farthing. You'd be more comfortable with acute appendicitis. All right, that's the first portion of Boston Blackie with the Wentworth Diamonds. Uh, we'll get back to that in just a few minutes. But first, these words. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. The proud, honorable men and women of our military sacrificing their lives and their families for our freedom. Please take time to remember and pray for our men and women fighting overseas. This salute courtesy of Asilco Architects in Chicago, where they're working hard for the future of our community. For information, call 312-755-9800. That's 312-755-9800. Asilco Architects is on the air saluting our troops. All right. Time uh, for more Boston Blackie. You want that uh, right now? I want as much Boston Blackie as I can get. All right. Let's get back to this April 25th, 1945 broadcast called the Wentworth Diamonds. A conclusion now to Boston Blackie. This way to the display of the Wentworth Diamonds, the Arling Gallery is to the right. I saw a couple of the cars drive up across the street. Boy, should be coming through the front door in a minute, right? There they are. Took care of the guards at the door. Go ahead. Do your stuff. All right, everybody, get back. Keep quiet. This isn't any fool. Over this way, Blackie in here. Come on, gang. Blackie, over this way. Blackie, get those two guards. Cut them down. Cut them down. I got the diamonds. Let's go. Nice shooting, Blackie. Nice shooting. Those guards never know what hit them. Faraday. Mary Wesley. Yeah? You remember me, don't you? Oh, I remember all of Boston Blackie's friends, so I can identify him when we pull him out of the river. What do you want? I talked to Blackie on the phone at 10 o'clock this morning. We were cut off. I haven't heard from him since. Oh, don't let that surprise you. But I had a date with him at 4 o'clock, and he didn't show up. I'm worried about him. I think you should be. Has something happened? Plenty. I hope you like music, Miss Wesley, because you're playing second fiddle to the Wentworth Diamonds. Blackie stole them this afternoon. When we left Boston Blackie, he was, to all appearances, hopelessly victimized by Roger Farthing's plan to frame him for the theft of the Wentworth Diamonds and the murder of the two museum guards. As provided in Farthing's plan, the police have been notified that the main Wentworth Diamond is in Blackie's apartment. 
And as we continue our story, Inspector Faraday knocks on Blackie's door. Okay, Blackie. Come on, open up in there. Open up. All right, Hi, Inspector. Okay, Shorty. Go on, get back in the apartment. Where's Blackie? Where's the Wentworth Diamond? The Wentworth Diamond, Inspector? Shorty, the only time you look smart is when you're trying to look dumb. Oh, gee, thanks. Sit down over there and behave yourself. I'm going to look around for that diamond. Oh, Inspector, there ain't no jewel around here. In that drawer or anywhere else. He not only stole the entire Wentworth collection, but he killed two guards. And you can't get out of a rap like that with a suspended sentence. Well, nothing in here. Maybe this drawer. Look, Inspector, I can tell you the whole thing from the beginning, if you'll believe me. Yeah? Blackie rehearsal? Look, look, do you remember when so, Blackie was... Oh, the jewel wasn't here, huh? What's this, a kid's marble? Gee, hey, that rock's got more sparkle than a pinwheel. Yeah, this is the Wentworth diamond, all right. Now, what do you do with the smaller ones? You mean, you mean there's more? You know there are more. And all around here, some... Uh-oh. Someone's coming down the hall. It's probably Blackie. Turn out the lights. Oh, Inspector. Turn out I... those lights. Yes, sir. This is going to be wonderful. Wise guy knocking on his own door. Is that a signal to you? It don't mean nothing to me. I, I... I'll open it. Blackie, are you? Oh. Uh, Miss Wesley, it's you. Is Blackie here? Turn on the lights, Shorty. Oh, sure thing. Hi, Miss Wesley. Shorty, where is he? What happened to him? Well, didn't he meet you? No. And when he called me, we were cut off. I don't know what happened. Oh, gee. Okay, you two. Make yourselves comfortable. Because we're going to wait right here for Blackie. Oh, gee, Inspector, I think you're way off base. Think so, huh? Well, we're waiting here all night if we have to. Because with Miss Wesley here, I'll guarantee Blackie thinks there's no base like home. Mr. Farthing. Oh. oh. Mr. Farthing. Ah, I must have fallen asleep, Hazel. Sleep well earned. You've released Boston Blackie? Yes. Uh, before very long, we shall hear that he's been picked up for robbery. And murder. <laughs> and tomorrow morning I shall have in my hands 24 of the most precious diamonds in the world. Tomorrow morning, Mr. Father, you mean this morning. Oh, it is quite late, isn't it? Nearly mid-morning. I suggest you go to your room and try to sleep, Hazel. And if you are addicted to dreams, my dear, perchance you can dream of the crime so perfect that it costs nothing but the life of Boston Blackie. <laughs> Gee, Inspector, it's the middle of the morning. Hey, when do we get out of here, huh? When I say you do, not before. So don't keep asking. Uh-oh, there's a key in the door. It's probably Blackie. Quiet. Mary, sure. Okay. Good morning. Right. What, what? Hold it, Blackie. Oh, Inspector, do you have to turn up when I feel refreshed and happy? One look at you and I'm 20 years older. You're not going to live 20 years, Blackie. What they do to you for murder in this state isn't good for your health. What did I do? Kill one of your jokes? You killed two guards at the Manchester Museum yesterday. Oh, don't be a fool, Faraday. I wasn't near the Manchester Museum when those guards were killed. Then where did you get this diamond I found in your drawer? At the five and ten? I could get one like that off a chandelier, Inspector. That's a phony. That's the central diamond from the Wentworth collection. And you know it. I don't even know that the diamonds were stolen. What? For all I know, they're still in the Manchester Museum, just where they ought to be. Sometimes I think you ought to have your head examined. There are witnesses who saw you there. I find the diamond in your apartment, and you tell me the Wentworth jewels are still in the museum. Come on, what did you do with the smaller stones? Mary, 
call the museum, will you? Sure. The phone number is Plaza 39613. That kind of a stall isn't going to get you anywhere, Blackie. Forget about that phone call, Miss Wesley. Make it, Mary. And don't be a dope, Faraday. Wait a minute. Oh, what'll I say? Uh, tell the museum you're calling for Inspector Faraday. All right. I'm not going to wait around for any phone call. Uh, where would you like to meet us, uh, Inspector? Uh, at the Ritz or the Roney? Very funny, Blackie. But I don't need a phone call to prove those diamonds were stolen. I got one of them right in my hand. Roll that stone out, Inspector, and it'd make a nice window pane. Hello, Manchester Museum. I'm calling for Inspector Faraday. Yes, of uh, uh, police headquarters. <laughs> they don't even know you, pal. Oh, uh, yes, just a minute. He wants to talk to you, Inspector. Yeah? We didn't know who I was, huh? Give me that phone. Like he said, he's been trying to reach the Inspector Hello, all morning. Hello, this is Faraday. Most people don't know when they're well What do you off. want? <laughs> the Wentworth diamonds are in their display case. What? Sure, sure. I'll be right down. I told you the diamonds were right where they belong, Faraday. Have a nice trip down there. Mary and I are going to have some breakfast. You too, Shorty. Come on. Just a minute, Blanky. I don't fall for any of tricks this easy. I'm going down to have a look at those jewels, all right. But you're going with me. Here are the diamonds, Inspector, just as they were before the robbery. I don't understand it, but here they are. How do I know these aren't phony? I beg your pardon, Inspector, but I'm an expert in such matters. What about this diamond in my hand? It's paste. And what's this gag about the jewels being stolen and two guards killed? Well, it's all very true, Inspector, but this morning when I came into the museum, here were the diamonds just as they were before the unfortunate incident. It's amazing. Happy, Faraday? All the diamonds are here? All but one small stone. We're so happy to have the other diamond returned. We aren't terribly concerned. Well, I'm concerned, especially about those two murdered guards. I'll tell you where you can find that missing stone, Faraday, and the man responsible for the death of the two guards. In your apartment? No, in room 909 in the Winston Hotel, in the handkerchief pocket of a friend of mine. Blackie, you're getting deeper and deeper into this every minute. I'll be in plenty deep if a certain party had a cold last night. A diamond that size is nothing to sneeze at. Here's room 909. Whose room is this? You'll see. Yes? Hello, beautiful. What do you want? In. Come on, Inspector. I'm with you. How dare you force your way in here? I seemed welcome enough here yesterday. Where's Farthing? Who's out there? Don't talk, beautiful. He's in there, Inspector. Come on. Mr. Farthing is the police. What's the meaning of... You two know each other, don't you? Hello, Farthing. I didn't know you were in town. Oh, good morning, Inspector. I was just in town for the day on a buying trip. Buying diamonds, Inspector. Diamonds? For free. Look in his handkerchief pocket, Faraday. I'm in no mood for practical jokes, gentlemen. I have a business appointment that I... You may have to reach inside for the stone, Faraday. The handkerchief may not pull it out. We'll see. There. What fell on the desk, Inspector? Looks like a diamond to me. Farthing, if this is from the Wentworth collection, I'm arresting you for murder and robbery. It's from the Wentworth collection, all right. From the looks of it, I'd say the same thing. Congratulations, Blackie. Farthing, do you admit this is a Wentworth diamond? Oh, I see no reason why I shouldn't. You'll discover it for yourself in due time. <laughs> I know what I'm beaten, but I don't know how. Hmm, Blackie? Sorry, Farthing. That's a secret of the profession. If we of the same profession were alone... Same profession? Don't flatter yourself, Farthing. Uh, Inspector, would you be so kind? Let us have five minutes alone, Faraday. It's all right. I'm not the type to run away from anything once I run into it. It's entirely safe. Well, with Blackie in here and me outside the door, 
I guess it's okay. Five minutes, no more. <sighs> Sit down. Thanks. You're a good sport, Farling. Uh, sit right here. A gambler has to be a good sport. Yes, I guess he does. I'm amazed. How did you do it, Blackie? When? The diamond in your pocket? It wasn't easy. You didn't let me get close to you but once when I was here yesterday. Fortunately, once was enough. But that's so utterly impossible. The diamonds were still in the museum when you were here yesterday. That's where you're wrong, Farling. The diamonds were never in the museum. Only a set of paste. Why? I switched them myself. At the National Vaults, 8 o'clock yesterday morning. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Tell me how. Well, the first thing I did was to borrow Lady Wentworth's pace set. Mm -hmm. That was easy. Lady Wentworth is away. The pace set is not locked up because it's worthless. Then I hired an armored car. That alone is no simple matter. It was simple enough for my friend Charlie Kingston. Of Chicago? Yes. He hired an armored car for me through his local office. Oh. And how did you use this armored car? My friend Shorty and I dressed as bank guards and went to the delivery entrance of the vaults a little before eight with the paste diamonds in a case just like the ones the real diamonds were in. I see you. You stayed just inside the delivery entrance until the armored truck came along, then, then walked out with the paste diamonds and <laughs> gave them to the driver. Well, that was no problem. We weren't stealing anything, just handing to the driver something he expected to get. So far, brilliant. Brilliant. Then what? Then Shorty and I got our own armored car from around the block, drove it to the delivery entrance of the vault, and picked up the real diamonds from the real bank guards. Ah, that was simple, too, because the bank guards expected to see an armored car outside the delivery entrance. So a set of phonies went to the museum, and I kept the real set. Until after your men robbed the museum. Then I broke into the museum at night and delivered the real diamonds, that is, all except the one small stone which I planted on you. Absolutely brilliant. Thanks. That's a lot coming from you under the circumstances. I am an artist in my way, Blackie, and you're an artist in yours. Does one great painter scoff at the work of another because the other's artistry is superior to his own? Maybe you're not the artist you think, Farling. Why do you say that? The idea of involving me. It seems to me that a good artist concentrates more on the picture and a little less on the frame. <laughs> Blackie, look at those lovely diamonds in this window. Aren't those engagement rings beautiful? They sure are. Oh, how I'd love to have that one there. You would? Well, it, um, it might depend on who gave it to me. Oh. I might like you to give me one someday. Except. Except what? Except I'd never be quite sure just how you got it. All right, Boston Blackie, April 25th, 1945, The Wentworth Diamonds, starring Dick Kalmar, Leslie Woods in that cast as uh, Mary Wesley, and Maurice Tarplin as Inspector Faraday, the third episode in the series. More of uh, WGN Radio Theater after these words. America, our military is sacrificing for our freedom. Please take this time to remember our men and women fighting overseas. This salute courtesy of Silva Painting, serving our listeners with quality, service, reliability, and integrity. For quality interior and exterior painting work, both commercial and residential, call 312-468-7135. That's 312 312- Four six eight seven one three five. That's Silva painting on the air, saluting our troops. 
I should probably turn my microphone on. I, you know, <laughs> thanks, Roger. You know what yeah. uh, we have coming up in our next hour? Ooh. Ooh. The Jack Benny program. Mr. Benny. Mr. The Benny. Jack Benny program. And mm-hmm. you know what? Jack Benny, I would say Jack Benny suspense and uh, maybe, I'm trying to think, um, the Whistler or Inner Sanctum are, are staples. Or the Shadow. They're the, sta- shadow. the Shadow. Yeah. Are staples yes. in the classic radio club. I mean, yeah. suspense, probably every other month we put a suspense okay. in there. Jack Benny, maybe every other month or every mm-hmm. third month. The class, and you get these. The classic yes, radio do. club yeah. um, is uh, is a club for our listeners to join. If you want to be part, folks, of the classic radio club and get ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time each and every month, mm-hmm. I choose these ten shows each month from my library of over a hundred thousand master recordings directly provided by the rights holders, and we pay royalties for all yeah, these shows, sure. and we get the master recordings, and then. Mike Costella, he does a tremendous job. He does a tremendous job of making these shows sound even better than Mm -hmm. when they aired originally. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And then I write copious liner notes for these these shows. And you can get these 10 shows every single month sent to you on uh, five CDs in a collector case. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't want the CDs, you'd just rather have the digital downloads, we send them to your email. And you can Bluetooth them on uh, any listening device. And it's all at ClassicRadioClub.com. Learn all about it. And, in fact, we have a special offer. Ooh. The very first month, you only pay $1. That's amazing. Yeah, $1. You you are really a very generous man. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You are. Thank you. Are you enjoying your Classic I'm, Radio I, Club yes, CDs? I've been getting them every month since, uh, I think it's been a year. It's a been year, almost a year. Almost yeah. a yeah. year. Yeah. And I've got them, and I listen to them when I get a chance at home. Uh, and I've even introduced the grandkids to them. Oh, man. And they That's love great. them, especially the comedies. Right. Yeah. They're like, Grandpa, wow, these are these are better than TV. Yeah. Actually, in my opinion, they are. Yes. These classic radio shows, there's no better entertainment than these shows. In fact, they were TV before there was TV. That's right. Think about it. How yeah, many right. of these shows transferred to television when that was invented? Tons, tons of them. Yes, most. I mean, most of the shows on radio made the transition mm-hmm. in the late forties, early fifties, right. when uh, television was. You know, I mean, television was actually invented in the nineteen twenties. People don't right. realize this. That's right. But they didn't become part of Americana and people buying them until the late forties, early fifties, and that's because. 1939 at the World's Fair in New York, it was first introduced by General Sarnoff, RCA, but then the war happened, and development of all television, in fact, all communications, was stalled for the war effort. That's why the TVs didn't come out until after the war effort. And radio was already, you know, exactly. uh, going strong, and it was a great way for people to stay connected what was going on That's with the right. war, so they didn't mess with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so this is this is all part of what we talk about sort of in the, in the liner notes and mm-hmm. things. You learn about the shows. You learn about the history at that time. Uh, and it's all there in the Classic Radio Club. So, folks, I hope you'll join. And there's testimonials at the site, people that are, you know, our members. They, sure. they send me emails. 
emails and texts all the time about how much they love the shows we're picking every month. And it's all there, ClassicRadioClub.com. We hope you'll join. All right, in our next hour, it's Jack Benny. Then in our third hour, we'll have the Cisco Kid, Cisco Pancho. Yeah, good adventure program from 1958, Mm -hmm. going to 58. You know, radio was still going. I know. Even though television had taken over, there were still a lot of radio shows on the air, even into the 50s, even still into the 1960s, a few of them. Yeah. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Thanks, David. Welcome back to the show. It is 12.08 in the morning, and uh, thanks for staying up late with us. We're here every Saturday and Sunday night till uh, 2 o'clock in the morning on Saturdays, till 1 o'clock in the morning on Sundays, playing all your favorite classic radio shows. My co-host is Lisa Wolf, although she is on vacation this weekend, so... Roger Badish is co-hosting the show. So good to see you, Roger. Good to see you. You know, generally you're like your head is about the size of a nickel, and it's in this uh, in the box up there. It's on a TV on a TV screen, but it's one tenth the yeah the share (laughs) of the TV screen. But now your head is actual size here, sitting in the booth. Does it look as big as it feels? It looks good. It's uh, (laughs) it's shiny at the top. It's very nice. Very nice. It's very nice. It's, I thought you might put on your sunglasses from the glow <laughs> from the from the light shining off of it. Uh, it's good to have you in uh, in the studio yeah, with me. It's here. nice to be here because yeah. generally Roger is in the newsroom doing the news, and he does a tremendous job. Do. As does David Jennings and mm-hmm. Vic Vaughn, everyone here yeah. that does the news. But as I say, you're you're all the way down the hall. It's so yeah, nice to have you. I always you say I'm 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 the X in the corner of the. TV screen, yeah, kind of like uh, you know the X game marks show. the spot, right? You know, yeah, yeah. You're like uh, what is that Hollywood Square? Hollywood Square, yeah, like the Hollywood, Hollywood Square, yeah, right. I'm Square, wow. right? Yeah, you used to love that show, Hollywood Square. I mean, I haven't watched it in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. The reruns, but boy, back in the day yeah. when when they had oh god, oh. Doodles, uh, uh, Charlie Doodles Weaver. Weaver, yeah, Charlie Weaver, and uh, they had Minnie Pearl, Minnie Pearl. Remember Minnie right. Pearl? Yeah. And, and, uh, God, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the guy that was in the middle for years and years. Paul Lynn. Paul Lynn. Yeah, oh, my gosh. He was so hilarious yeah. on that show. Yeah. Just incredible. All right, well, ah, those were the those days. Those were the days, Roger. my friend. In this hour, Jack Benny from 1948, a hilarious broadcaster. You're absolutely going to love it. Mm-hmm. In our next hour, it's a Cisco Kid. But right now we're going to play our game, uh, Cat Sprite, Is It Real?, or is it ridiculous? And all weekend, it's all about great directors. And in this hour, it's about Martin Scorsese. All right. You've heard of him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Martin Scorsese. Of course I've yeah, heard of him. Probably heard of him? I think so. He's made a few movies. Yeah. A few movies. Just a few minor ones. What do they win? What do they win? What oh, are they going to win, Man, this Roger? is... You thought the, big, the, the last big time. one was fun. What is this? pair of tickets to the Porchlight Revisits Minis Boys, May 22nd and 23rd. And i got to tell you, I saw this yeah. in New York City really? when it was first there back it's about, in 1969. It's about the Marx Brothers? It was about the beginnings of the Marx Brothers. Wow, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, wow, wow. Very cool play. All right, so that's what you win. Give us a call. We'll take the third caller at 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. We'll play the game right after these words. Come on, baby. Let's get ridiculous. Looks like we have Maria on the line. Hi, Maria. Hello there. How are you? 
I'm doing good. How about how about you guys? We're good. We're having fun over here. Yeah. Lisa's on vacation, and uh, right. we're we're uh, we're having a good time. She'll be back next week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, and I listen to her all the time. Oh, uh, thanks, Maria. So you're going to win uh, two tickets to see. This great play, but uh, let's play our game, right? You ready to go? Okay. Roger will be your lifeline. Okay, Martin Scorsese in Taxi Driver. Scorsese plays the role of a homicidal. uh, Hello. Plays the role of a homicidal passenger spying on his cheating wife in Travis Bickle's cab. Is that real, Maria, or is that ridiculous? I think it's ridiculous. Think it's ridiculous, Roger. What do you think? You're probably right, but I'm going to go with real because Scorsese does kind of weird things like that. All right, yeah, so, that, yeah that, that's true too. <laughs> do you want to stick with what you have, or you want to switch over? Or? I, I'm I'm going to stick with what I what I guess. All right, then, Maria, this is for you. Oh, and Roger. Okay. <laughs> it's real. He played a cameo in the movie. Actually, has a quite a few lines. Yeah. Um, he's, he's looking, they're sitting in a cab mm-hmm. in, you know, you know, De Niro's York, playing, uh, Travis Bickle. Mm-hmm. They're sitting there in the cab and he's saying, yeah, that's my wife up there, you know, all this. And, yeah. and, uh, Travis Bickle's looking at him cause he's cuckoo. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, all right. So let's go next one. All right. All right. Raging Bull, which is one of my favorite movies oh, of all time. Great movie. Was nominated for seven Academy Awards. It won the Best Picture and Best Director Oscars. Is that is that real, Maria, or is that uh, ridiculous? I think it's ridiculous. Ridiculous, Roger. I'm gonna go with real. Okay, so <laughs> okay. Maria, this is for you. And Roger. It is ridiculous. It was nominated for eight Academy Awards and won two, but they were not for uh, Best Director, Best uh, Picture. The Oscars were for De Niro for Best Actor, Mm -hmm. his second, by the way, and an Oscar for Best Editing. Oh, best editing. Great. All right. Here's the third question. So you guys are like uh, not uh, simpatico. You're not simpatico. I'm trying the airwaves. You know, yeah, storms coming through the area. Yeah, there's there's airwaves in here. All right. (laughs) (laughs) One more to go. All right. Here we go. In 1967, Scorsese directed his first feature length film, Cool Hand Luke. Is that real or is that ridiculous, Maria? Mm. I don't think it was. This, uh, I'm, I'm going to say that not true. Okay, ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Yeah. All right. So this is for both of you. You ready? Yeah. Oh, oh. no! Wait, no, no. I you sorry. Hit wrong the wrong one. one. You. Yeah, thank you. I hit the wrong one. You, you All right, trickster. so it's ridiculous. You're both are right. Cool Hand Luke was actually directed by Stuart Rosenberg. Yeah. Scorsese's... That's what, that's what I saw. Yeah, yeah, Scorsese's first film was I Call First, which was later retitled Who's That Knocking at My Door? So, uh, you know, you both got two right. That's yeah. pretty darn good. A lot yeah, better not, than not, I do at this game. Not, not bad. But yeah. the big winner is Maria. Maria, you've got a pair of tickets to the Porchlight Revisits Mini. Boys. It's May 22nd and 23rd. It's the award-winning Porchlight Music Theater. Takes Chicago back in time in this loving and joyful look at the young Marx Brothers in the Chicago premiere of this rarely seen gem. People can get tickets oh. at porchlightmusictheater.org. Now, 
sounds wonderful. Yeah. Sounds like a good time. It is. It is. I, we saw it, uh, like I said, in 1969 in, on Broadway. It was fantastic. All right. Enjoy yeah, that, yeah, Maria. That, yeah, I heard you say that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah it, it sounds like a, like a fun evening. So All right. That, well, you're it. a big Excellent. winner. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Well, thank you. All right. You take care, Maria. All right. You guys ready for Jack? Benny, the Jack yes, Benny program. Yes, I am. This is a good one. November 7th, 1948. Jack hears an echo. It's just in his head. It's yeah. echo. Come Very funny broadcast. Yeah, I hear I hear you voices hear all right. A lot of voices up there. All right, here's part one now. The Jack Benny program. The Jack Benny program. With Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's go out to Jack Benny's home in Beverly Hills. It's morning, and Rochester is in the kitchen. Mmm, look what time it is. I better start getting Mr. Benny's breakfast ready. Now, let's see. I think I'll give him some ham and waffles. He's crazy about ham and waffles. Mmm, we're out of ham. And I had the last six waffles. <laughs> Let's see, what else? Oh, I know. I'll fix him a plate of bacon and eggs with French fried potatoes. Uh-oh, can't do that. I had the eggs. Come to think of it, I had the bacon and potatoes, too. <laughs> well, I better take a look in the refrigerator again. Mm, I wish the boss would buy a refrigerator with electric light in it. This candle keeps melting the ice cubes. <laughs> Uh-oh, what's this in the corner? Well, the boss is lucky. Here's some orange juice, some pickled beets, and milk. I'll pour the milk over the beets. If he eats without his glasses, he'll think there's strawberries and cream. <laughs> well, breakfast is ready. I'll put it on this tray and take it up to him. Better take him the morning paper, too. My, my, Mr. Benny's still asleep. I better wake him up easy. I'll tickle his feet. Kitty, kitty, goo! Kitty, kitty, goo! He doesn't feel it all. Maybe I ought to take off his socks. <laughs> the minute the nights get chilly, he doesn't take any chances. Socks, corduroy, pajamas, earmuffs, and a derby. <laughs> He's a hard man to wake up. I'll try patting his cheek. Huh? What? It's, it's only me, boys. You didn't have to tip your hat. <laughs> oh, oh, good morning. Good morning, Rochester. Your gang will be off for rehearsal pretty soon, so you better sit up now and have your breakfast. But I don't feel like eating anything, especially strawberries and cream. I, I had a, I had a terrible night. What's the matter? It's that echo. It's worse than ever now. I even hear it in my sleep. Boss, you must be imagining things. What do you mean, imagining things? I tell you, Rochester's there and I hear it. If I don't get rid of it soon, I'll go screwy. Screwy only. <laughs> Rochester. 
Rochester. I know, boss. You heard the echo again. Yeah, yeah. How'd you know? When you jumped in the air, your socks changed feet. <laughs> Roger, stop kidding about things like that. Oh, you? Jack. Jack, where are you? See, Miss Livingston's here already. Well, I can rehearse in my bathrobe. Coming, Mary. Hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Am I the first one here? Yeah. You don't mind if I rehearse in my robe, do you? No, but take off that derby. You look like a plumber's friend. <laughs> I'm sorry. And Jack, before the gang gets here, how about give me the $10 you owe me on the election bet? The what? Oh, yes, the election bet. It slipped my mind. I meant to give it to you before. Oh, sure, sure. It slipped your mind. Come on, give me the $10. Okay. Here it is. Thanks. Well, that takes care of the Hoover election. Now, how about this one? Now, wait a minute, Mary. You can't hold me to that one. He wasn't even on the ballot. What was it, Miss Livingston? He bet that Fred Allen would carry the corn belt. Well, he should have. It's been carrying him for the last ten years. What a program Fred Allen's got. No jokes and double indemnity. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know, Jack. I think that his program is great this year. Fred Allen is very funny. He is, eh? Yeah. He's improved a lot since my mother started writing for him. Oh, your mother... Your mother isn't with Bob Hope anymore, huh? Incidentally, Mary, I'm kind of excited. You know, I'm going to be a guest on Bob's program next Tuesday night. Bob's having you on his program? Why? Why? (laughs) Why? I'll tell you why. Bob Hope came to me, looked me right in the eyes and said, Jack, I want you on my show because you're the greatest comedian in the world. Bob said that. He said, you're the most versatile, the most talented the cleverest, the wittiest, the most sophisticated, subtle, suave, and the way you put over a joke proves that you're a master in the art of humor. How much is he paying you? He said $5,000, but how can you believe a man that can lie like that? (laughs) Oh, well, we'll come to some kind of an agreement. Yeah, he'll probably give you a bar of swan soap. I hope not. I'll have to break it in two and give my agent half. (laughs) Anyway, Mary, what's that? What? Hurry, hurry, take off his shoes. Oh, my goodness, it's Dennis. Dennis, what's the matter? April Fool. (laughs) April Fool? Why, you silly kid, this is no time of year to fool people. Truman did it. Dennis, don't ever do that again. Gosh, I was so scared, my hair stood up. Stood up? It jumped off and ran home to Max Factor. <laughs> Mary, this is no... This is no time for jokes. This kid frightened me so, my blood turned cold. Coleoling? There it goes again. Your hair? No, the echo. <laughs> Oh, for heaven's sake. But Mary, it's serious. I tell you, it's making me a nervous wreck. You know, Mr. Benny, last year I used to hear voices all the time. I'd be in my room all alone and I'd still hear those voices. You did, kid? Well, then you must know how I feel. Didn't it drive you nuts? Oh, no, I was nuts before that. (laughs) That I can believe. Now, look, kid, before the rest of the gang get here for rehearsal, run over your song, will you? Okay. Oh, by the way, Mr. Benny, why are we rehearsing so early? Because I have a busy week. I also have to rehearse the Bob Hope program. 
I'm going to be on it Tuesday night. Bob Hope wants you on his program? Why? <laughs> Why? Because he said that I'm the greatest comedian in the world. What's the matter? Is he crazy or something? <laughs> no, he's not crazy. He may lie a little, but he's okay. Now, go ahead and sing, will you? <laughs> Well, that song will be all right. Oh, thanks, but I'm not going to sing it on the program. Why not? Because I'm not getting anywhere. What? I've been working for you for nine years, and I can't even afford to buy anything. Clothes, shoes, food, or anything. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Dennis. I'm not responsible for what you do with your money. What money? <laughs> what money? I've been giving you checks every week. What do you do with the money you get when you cash them? Oh, cash them! <laughs> Dennis, don't you know that when Jack gives you a check, you're supposed to... Leave him alone, Mary. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> well, I'll, uh... I'll get the scripts ready, and then... Well, that must be the boys now. It's about time. Come in! Well, hello, everybody. Hiya, Jackson, Dennis... Hello, Livy, you delectable Cupid dog. <laughs> well, if it isn't little old Phil Harris, the breath that made Milwaukee famous. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break on the Jack Benny program from 1948. Jack keeps hearing this echo, and it's yeah. driving him uh, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Oh, lady, all right, a quick commercial, then we'll be right back. Well, I don't know how this can be possible, but Roger's not only my co-host tonight, but he's also 
doing double duty, going to do the news now. Yeah. Are you getting paid more, I'm hoping, for Wait, the show? I was or am to cash I, the checks. Or am I supposed to be like Jack Benny? <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. And now, taking off his news hat putting on his co-host hat, and reading a spot. Yes, I will. The uh, proud and honorable men and women of our military are still overseas, sacrificing their lives and their families' emotions for another country's freedom. Please pray for the courageous troops of our military. This salute courtesy of Designer Decks by MJ in Morris, where they are working hard for the future of our great community. For information, call 815-941-4910. Again, that's 815 815- Nine four one forty nine ten. Designer decks by MJ is thanking our military for their dedication and service. All right, thank you, Roger. And don't forget, folks, uh, Classic Radio Club. That's where you can go and get ten classic radio shows, uh, the best shows of all time. And every single month, when you join the Classic Radio Club, just like Roger Badish, mm-hmm. he's one of our members. Uh, you will get ten shows sent to you either on CD or via digital download. These are the best. Best of the best every single month that I'll pick for you from our 100,000 classic radio shows. You'll get Jack Benny, you'll get Abbott Costello, Suspense, The Shadow, The Lone Ranger, Boston Blackie, The Whistler, Inner Sanctum, Dragnet, Mm -hmm. Philip Marlowe, on and on and on, Lucille Ball, My Favorite Husband, Mm -hmm. all the greatest classic radio shows along with liner notes. And uh, you're just going to love it. I mean, you're going to love being a Classic Radio Club member. And you can join for the very first month for only a dollar. You can cancel at any time. And you'll never get a duplicate show. So uh, it's all there for you at our website, ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. All right, we're listening to a very funny episode of the Jack Benny program. Uh, you know, the greatest writing, mm-hmm. I mean, the incredible writing on Jack Benny, and then he had the best timing of yes. really any of the comedians. Yeah. I mean, um, he had a great cast around him with mm-hmm. Dennis Day, Phil Harris, Mary Livingston, Don Wilson, Rochester. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mel Blanc was in that uh, right. a lot of times. Doing he a wasn't, ton of voices. He wasn't on every episode, right. but... He was he was uh, kind of a, a semi regular cast mm-hmm. member. Jack Benny really his ratings were always at the, in the top right. three to four always mm-hmm. sometimes number one, and he I think one of the the keys to his success was he let his cast around him get get the laughs. Mm-hmm. You know he didn't care who got the laughs on the show right. as long as people listening were enjoying it. Exactly. You know, so yeah. it re- reminds me a lot of the Seinfeld show. When you watch the yeah. Seinfeld show, um, Jerry Seinfeld really probably gets the least amount of laughs on the show. Right. Yet he, it's known as the, the Seinfeld show. Right. Same kind of, kind of, same kind of mm-hmm. idea, really. Right. And um, that's why I think Jack Benny and the Seinfeld Show sure. were so successful. And, uh, and they've stood the test of time. They really have, as uh, as uh, we are listening, and we'll um, test to that. Yep. Attest to that right now. Let's listen to the uh, conclusion of to the Jack Benny program. Now look, Don, you too, Phil. Look, when I call a rehearsal for a certain time, I expect you to be here. Wait a minute, Jackson. What's your rush? Take it easy. Relax. You'll have a show Sunday. What? And suppose you do have a lousy one. Nobody's going to turn off the radio. I come on right after you. 
Phil. You got better insurance than Fred Allen. <laughs> Phil. Phil. Pencil head. <laughs> it just so happens that I was on the air 15 years before you even had your own show. I know, and what happens? The minute I'm on my own, they invent television. They want to see me, too. <laughs> Look, Dad, you better iron out those wrinkles if you want to stick around. What? Them blue eyes ain't going to do it alone. <laughs> well, Phil, Phil, I'll admit one thing. You're a natural for television. The screen is square and your head will fit right in it. <laughs> How is that, Don? Don? Mary, where's Don? His girdle broke and he can't get out of the den. <laughs> well, Dennis. Dennis! Don's got me pinned in the corner. <laughs> well, come back here, both of you. Now, what, what's the matter with you guys anyway? You come over to rehearse, we can't even get started. Look, if I don't have a good show Sunday, I'll hear from my sponsor, Mr. Riggio. Riggio Lane? <laughs> there it is again. The echo. Now, you're all here in this room. I know you heard. I didn't hear nothing. Neither did I. Who heard it? Kid. Kid, you're sure you're not you're not ribbing me, are you? No, Jack. We just don't hear it. Well, I hear it. I gotta do something. I even hear it in my sleep. Well, Jack, why don't you do like I asked you to? I've been asking you for three weeks to go to a psychiatrist. Yeah, I guess you're right, Mary. I'll have to go to some doctor. Well, I know a wonderful psychiatrist. Why don't you let me take you there? Okay, Mary, and the quicker the better. But what about the rehearsal? Oh, we can rehearse tonight. All right. We'll rehearse tonight, kids. Come on, Mary, let's go. What's the number of the doctor's office, Mary? 1107. It's right down the hall. This must be it here. Room 1107. Yeah, look what it says on the door. Dr. Nelson, psychiatrist. Come in, lie down for a while. Let's go in. Just a second. Jack, stop trying to look shabby. The doctor has one price for everybody. I'll have to pin my sleeve back on. Oh, well, let's go in. Yes? Yeah. A nurse, uh, I'd like to see Dr. Nelson. Very well, in just a few minutes. Uh, but first, I'll have to have some information about you. Well, my name... Oh, just a second, sir. I have to write this down. I want to get a pencil. There. Now, your name? Jack Denny. Occupation? A radio comedian. Are you currently employed? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. And now for your financial status. Uh, what is your bank balance? Well... <laughs> you better get another pencil, nurse. Mary, please. We'll go on to the next question. How tall are you? 5'11". Your weight? Uh, 165. Your eyes? They're blue, aren't they? Bluer than the lips of a schoolboy at 40 below. <laughs> We'll be uh, ready for you in a few minutes. Have a seat. Right over there by that gentleman in the corner. His name is Mr. Skinner. Uh, oh, uh, oh, by the way, nurse, that Mr. Skinner isn't a violent patient, is he? 
Oh, far from it. In fact, he's very gentle. Gentle? Yes. He thinks he's a rabbit. Hmm. Come on, Mary. Let's sit down. Jack, what are you so mad about? A smart Alec nurse trying to kid me. A rabbit. Man, looks just as normal as I do. Oh, Jack, there isn't room for both of us to sit on the sofa. Yes, there is, Mary. Now ask Mr. Skinner to move over. Uh, pardon me, sir. <laughs> What's up, Jack? Gosh, you, you hear that, Mary? What's up, Doc? You really do think you're a rabbit, huh? Yeah, but Dr. Nelson has helped me a lot. He has? What is his treatment? Oh, he uses applied psychology. He tries to make me think I'm something else. Right now, he's trying to convince me I'm a pig. A pig? That's all, folks. Oh. Say, Mary. Yes, Jack? No, it's a shame this guy is crazy. He's almost as talented as Mel Blanc. Say, bud. Yes, Mr. Skinner. I told you all about myself. Now, what are you here for? Oh, it's really nothing very serious. It's just something that bothers me. You see, uh, I'm a comedian. Oh, on a stage? No, radio. Radio lady. There it goes again. Mary. Mary, you heard it that time, didn't you? No, Jack, I didn't hear a thing, and calm down. But there was an echo. Nurse, you heard it, didn't you, nurse? Well, no, I'm sorry. I did. Mr. Skinner. Mr. Skinner, where are you going? I'm getting out of here. This guy's nuts. <laughs> All the nerve. I got a good mind to go after him and punch him right in Jack, the Jack, control yourself. I won't control myself. I'm not going to let a silly rabbit call me nuts. <laughs> All right, Jack. Now sit down. Yes, doctor? Oh, very well, sir. I'll send in the next patient. It's Mr. Benny. What? No, it's Benny. Bunny just left. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, go right in, Mr. Benny. Okay. You wait. You wait here for me, Mary. All right, Jack, and don't be nervous. Oh, uh, Mr. Benny. Yes? Uh, the doctor may want to examine your head. Take off your derby. Thank you. <laughs> Doctor, doctor, I'm Jack Benny. How do you do? <laughs> and now, what can I do for you? Well, doctor, I, I seem to, I hear echoes that, that no one else seems to hear. Echoes? Now, how long have you suffered from this delusion? Oh, for several weeks. Uh-huh. And tell me, how old are you, Mr. Benny? Thirty-nine. <laughs> Thirty-nine. How long have you suffered from that delusion? <laughs> It's no delusion. I'm only 39. And what kind of a psychiatrist are you anyway? Instead of a couch in here, you've got a double bed. Certainly. I like to lie down, too. <laughs> oh. And now, Mr. Benny, uh, do you have any idea of when this echo first started bothering you? Yeah, you see, this summer, I was in Europe. I went to Switzerland, and I heard some Swiss yodlers, and ever since then, an echo has followed me. Very interesting. Now, does this echo repeat everything you say? Well, not everything. It, it usually happens on words that end in O. You mean words like, uh, folio? Yes, in fact, it happened once on that very word, folio. Folio, There it is. There it is, Doctor. You heard it, Doctor. There it is. You must have heard it. There's no echo, Mr. Benny. Now, calm down, and we'll get to the cause of your neurosis. Gee, I hope you can. Let's get started with the treatment. Uh, just a moment. I want to look in the next room and see how another one of my patients is getting along. 
One and one is two. Two and two is four. One and two is three. Three and three is six. Uh, who is that? Mr. Gallup. <laughs> Of the, uh, of the Gallup poll? Yes. Roper's still working on one and one. <laughs> and now, uh, back to you, Mr. Benny. Now, Mr. Benny, uh, lie down here and relax. Uh, thank you. Comfy? Yes. Yes. Are you? Yes. <laughs> Good. And now we'll start with the color association test. Now, I'm going to name a color, and as quick as you can, you tell me exactly what comes into your mind. Ready? Yes. Black. White. Blue. Red. Orange. Yellow. Green. Money. <laughs> hmm. Very interesting. Mr. Benny, you seem to have a certain fondness for money. Well, perhaps a little, is it? Ah, and tell me, when did you first notice your desire to hold on to money? When I was six months old, I swallowed a dime. Oh, and uh, when did they get it out? Oh, it's still in there. <laughs> Good heavens, man. Why didn't you have a doctor remove it? Well, how can you trust anyone when you're under ether? <laughs> well, Mr. Benny, you've got to have confidence in... Uh, pardon me. Yes, nurse? Oh, Dr. Nelson, Mr. Skinner came back. Oh, uh, does he still imagine he's a rabbit? I think so. He just cut two holes in his hat for his ears. <laughs> well, uh, throw him a carrot and I'll see him later. And now let's see, where were we? Doctor, doc, please, about that echo. Oh, yes. Uh, Mr. Benny, I've come to the conclusion that what you're suffering from is nothing more than a somatic hallucination induced by your psychotic neuroses and aggravated by self-induced inhibitions and subconscious phobias of the psychosomatic urges. And there's only one cure for it. What's that? A four-way cold tablet. <laughs> A cold tablet? Doctor, I'm all confused. Well, in simple language, Mr. Benny, when you first heard those yodelers in Switzerland, they created a great impression on you. And now, when you think you hear these echoes, it's nothing more than a thought desire to return to the scene of a happy experience. Oh. Well, well what do you think I ought to do about it? Well, stop working so hard. Take a vacation. Get away from Hollywood. But where could I go? Why don't you try Sun Valley? In Idaho? Idaho. <laughs> Well, I've always wanted to go there. Just a minute, Mr. Ben. Huh? Didn't you hear that echo? No, no, there was no echo that time. That's funny. I could have sworn I heard one. Oh, no, no. You see, it couldn't happen on a word like Idaho. It usually happens on words like I told you before. You know, like folio. Folio? Folio, lady. There it goes again. There it goes again. You heard it that time, didn't you, Mr. Benny? Didn't you? Didn't you? No, no, no. I didn't hear anything. But you must have. You must have. <laughs> Calm down, Mr. Nelson. That, there's no echo now. As you explained, it was just a figment of my imagination. Then why am I hearing it? I don't give a hoot about Switzerland. <laughs> well, thanks for helping me, Doctor. I feel a lot better. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't leave me now. Don't go. Don't go. Don't go, Leone. <laughs> There it is again! There it is again! I don't want to be alone with that thing, Mr. 
Benny, Mr. Benny, Mr. Hmm. What's wrong with that doctor? Oh, well, I better get out of here. Oh, there's Mary sitting in the corner. Mary? Mary, I'm all cured. And it was the simplest thing in the world. The doctor talked to me for a few minutes, and then I... Mary, what's the matter? Mary? Yeah. What's up, Doc? Oh, why did I let you stay here with Mr. Come on, Mary, stop pushing your nose, and let's go. Well, Mary, I got to go over and rehearse with Bob Hope now. Have you got a good part? I don't know. I've got the script here. Let's see. On page three, I say, hello, Bob. And then he says... Oh, here on page six, I say, well, if it isn't high ever back. And then Bob says... Oh, but on twelve, uh, page twelve... Oh, no, they cut that. Oh, well, I'll ad-lib something. Good night. Ah, that is, that is just classic comedy right there, Roger. That's the Jack Benny program, November 7th, 1948. Jack, here's an echo. His whole gang on there, and you heard Mel Blanc mm-hmm. in uh, two of his, uh, his cartoon roles. Right. You know, Bugs Bunny mm-hmm. and Porky Pig. But later, he would go on to play Barney Rubble right, on the Flintstones, the Flintstones, and the nurse that was in that same scene, mm-hmm. B. Benaderet, would later go on to play his wife on that show, Betty, Betty Rubble. Rubble. So you heard yeah. the the the, uh, the Rubbles in that in that episode. The Rubbles. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the Jack Benny program. More here on WGN with the WGN Radio Theater after these words. Don't forget, Roger, yeah. when you shop at Woodman's, oh, you right. or any of our listeners, mm-hmm. they can take their receipt. So you 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 shop at Woodman's, right? You fill up your cart, and they have. Extra large carts at Woodman's. You know you that? You need it because I, I they got such great food. They do really. It's amazing yeah. at Woodman's. So you fill up the cart. You go there. You check out. You pay for your food, and they give you a receipt. Don't mm-hmm. throw that receipt nope. out, folks. Nope, nope, nope. Take a picture of that receipt with your smartphone and email that picture to us at woodmanswgn at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Every single month, we we uh, change the 12 classic radio shows. You'll right. get 12 classic radio shows sent to you when you email us the receipt from Woodman's. This right. is uh, an incentive for you to check out Woodman's. Go yeah. to Woodman's, check it out. I'm telling you, I shop at Woodman's. I can't believe how much money I save. And this is no baloney, folks. Well, you, you save, can buy baloney there. You can buy yeah. baloney there, yes. It's one of the they probably have every kind of baloney you can I, I buy can't at imagine. Woodman's. Sure. Because they have every you should see just the bread. There's like ten aisles of bread. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Woodman's is amazing. It's, it's huge. Hu- they're, they're huge. Yes. They're huge. Yes. And you save money at Woodman's. So I was shopping at another store. They became a sponsor, mm-hmm. and I of course want to try them. Right. You know, uh, when we were talking about having them be a sponsor, I said, well, let me go and check out Woodman's mm-hmm. so I can. I went there and I am never shopping anywhere yeah. else because you really do. I save on average about $50. I spend about, I load up when mm-hmm. I go, right? Right. I spend like 200 plus dollars at sure. a time. 
and I'll bet you I save at least $50 each time going that's, to Woodman. That's awesome. Yeah. That's Plus, awesome. you can get 12 classic radio shows. Exactly. Yeah, and we swap them out every uh, 12 different shows every so month. So if you shop there every month, more than one time a month, but you know that when you take a picture and you send it in, that you're going to get those 12 shows yeah. for free yeah it's free it's part of the whole experience of going to woodman's that's over 120 shows a year that good math there roger i'm just got a headache from that i just i did but put that abacus away it's too big please put that away (laughs) my slide rule the uh, email again woodman's wgn at gmail.com send in your woodman's receipt every month and you'll get 12 classic radio shows in our next hour the classic radio show we're going to tune into. Ooh. The Cisco Kid. Cisco. Oh, Cisco. Oh, Pancho. <laughs> <laughs> so if we did a radio reenactment of the Cisco Kid, yeah. you would be Cisco because your voice is deeper. No. Yes, I would want you to be. Really? I would cast you as Cisco. Okay. Can you All do right. a, a little bit of a uh, Spanish accent? Uh, Pancho. Uh, si, senor, I can do a little bit of this a Spanish is good. accent. This is good. You know, we had them you off got, at the past. You have the role. And then, and then, and then I would play Pancho. Hey, <laughs> I saw Pancho. Hey, Pancho, do you have your gun and your bullets? Well, no, Cisco, I don't have it. I don't have my bullets and my gun. Do I need it? Pancho, I think we're going to. We're going up against the bad guys, the uh, bad hombres. The- they're they're but they're hombres, all right. They're, they're bad hombres. Bad hombres. You know who's going to do this a lot better than us? Uh-huh. Jack Mather and Harry Lang, because they played Cisco and Poncho on the show. That's great. And they have sound effects and music along with uh, the dialogue. So you have to. So it'll be a lot better than what we just I said. I think so. So stick around for the Cisco Kid. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. What is the weather in Shawburg? Do you know? Uh, Shawburg, they have... Shawburg? It's so small. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How small is it? It's it's smaller than its name. Well... That's how small it is. The whole town is smaller than the name? Smaller than its... If you blink... Yeah. You're ten miles past it. Oh my gosh! That's how small. When you're driving and you blink and you you pass. Well, you don't have to drive. So there's a sign that says you are entering Shawburg, and by the time you're done reading it, you're not even in Shawburg anymore. Well, it's it changes to you are now leaving. Oh gosh! Right. So so it's hard to it's hard to gauge the weather then. Well, it is that small a town. Because if you look up to see what the weather is, yeah. the time it takes you to lift your head, right. the weather's changed. The weather has changed yeah, already. Right. That's a that's an elusive town, that it's Shawburg, very elusive. isn't it? Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, in this hour, it's the Cisco Kid. Before that, though, we're going to play our game, Is Ooh. It Real or Is It Ridiculous, sponsored by Cat's Pride. And you know who the director is? Who is it this time? Probably the most famous Director of all time, Steven Spielberg. Spielberg. Mr. Spielberg. Or as I call him, Mr. Spielberg. Well, of course, because you, you have dinner and lunch with him yeah, all, all the, the time. Yeah, all the time. Well, he calls me all the time. But well, he's kind of a pain. Well, because you pick Calling up the Calling me all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we're going to play our game. And what do they win, Roger? Well, you, you know, know what? what? We had what so win? much fun with those tickets. Yeah. A pair of tickets to Porchlight Revisits, Minnie's Boys, May 22nd and 23rd. All right, the number to call, 312-981-7200. Be the third caller again. Play the game on the air with us right after these words. Come on, baby. Let's get ridiculous. All right, let's get ridiculous. Bob's on the line. Hi, yeah. Bob. 
Bob, are you there? Hey, buddy, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? All right, man. You ready to win some tickets? I am. Okay. Steven Spielberg, let's start this off. Roger will be your lifeline. Spielberg has never won the Academy Award for Best Director. Is that real or is uh, is that ridiculous, Bob? It's uh, real. Okay. I'm going to say it's ridiculous. I think he did finally win uh, much later in his career, and it wasn't an honorary. All right. Here's for Bob. Here's for Roger. But actually, Roger, you're only half right because... He won earlier in his career. He didn't really win as of late. Um, it's ridiculous. He's won a f- Best Director twice, once for oh. Schindler's List in 1994 and for one, yeah. Saving Private Ryan in 1999. I think that's the one that so I So it's been like of. 20-something years yeah. since he's won an Academy Award, but he has won two of them. Yeah. All right, next question, Bob. Spielberg uh, charters his 282-foot mega yacht called the Seven Seas, and he charges over $1 million per month if you want to charter it. Uh, Bob, is that real or is that ridiculous? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's ridiculous. Okay. I'm going to agree with you. I don't think he needs to charter, charter it out yeah, for a million bucks. No. All right. Whoa, Both come wrong. on. It is real. He bought... This yacht in 2013, he paid just a mere $182 million for it. Drop in the um, sea. And he has recently ordered an even bigger oh, yacht, come on. a 300-foot yacht, at a reported cost of $250 million. And he does charter his uh, Seven Seas mega yacht out for $1.2 million per month. If you, if you or I want to, maybe you know we'll what? just split it. A Bob, is you want to get into this? You want to do a three-way uh, split on this I'm charter? In. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll, do, we'll go for a whole month. Hey, for, I'll rent out my dinghy like for 50 four, bucks. Four, <laughs> <laughs> what about your dinghy? <laughs> so, Bob, uh, Bob, it's 400 grand for you, 400 grand for Roger, and 400 grand for me, and we can rent that boat for a yeah, month. Sure, I'll be Or the yacht. Yeah. All right, so uh, number three here. All right, you ready? This is interesting, Roger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it is. It's either real or ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. It's, yeah. <laughs> Spielberg owns Orson Welles' own directorial script for the 1938 radio broadcast of The War of the Worlds. Does he own that, Bob? Real or ridiculous? Hey, real. Real. Yeah, I'm going to go with you on that. You both say real? Yeah. He owns a lot of memorabilia, He and he's a big fan of Orson Welles. Let me tell you something else he owns mm-hmm. that was in Orson Welles' film, Citizen Kane. He, uh, in, in 1994, uh, he bought, well, in 1994, he bought that script. Mm-hmm. But in 1982, so 12 years prior, he bought a balsa wood rosebud, you know, the sleigh. Yeah, right. Uh, the sled used in Orson Welles' film Citizen Kane. So uh, there you go. Well, Bob, you are a big winner. Oh, big winner. A pair of tickets to the Porchlight Revisits Minis Boys of May 22nd and 23rd. Hope you can get that into your schedule. The award-winning Porchlight Music Theater takes Chicago back in time in this loving and joyful look at the young Marx Brothers in the Chicago premiere this rarely seen gem. Get tickets at Porchlight musictheater.org. Way to go, Bob. Thank you very much for playing the game. Thanks a lot.
All right, buddy. Okay. Bob's a big winner. Yeah. And uh, don't forget, folks, we have our text in line. Roger is manning that. And as, uh, Lisa will be back next week and will be manning the text in line. But Roger is manning it. For, I'm, I'm learning it as I go yeah, because so. I've never used it before. So I have to refresh it. Yeah. So um, uh, we have um, uh, several about uh, the boat uh, <laughs> and, and my dinghy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we might need a bigger boat when it comes to Jaws. I'll tell I you that right so. now. We, yeah, we do might, need, we need a, a bigger, bigger boat. boat. Yeah, yeah. All right, three one two nine eight one is the three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is our text in line. Time now though for the Cisco Kid. This was a western created by O'Henry. The Cisco Kid was seen in films, TV, comic books, and heard on radio beginning in nineteen forty two. Jackson Beck for a while. He played Philo Vance in the in the oh, movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the radio show, he played Cisco, and Louis Soren was Poncho. But later, Jack Mather and Harry Lang played uh, the Cisco Kid and Poncho in the very popular syndicated radio series. And that's what we have for you now. Let's go back to May twelfth, nineteen fifty eight. This is called Larrapin Lil. It stars Jack Mather and Harry Lang. Part one of the Cisco Kid. Here's adventure. Here's romance. Here's the famous Robin Hood of the Old West. Cisco, the sheriff, he's getting closer. This way, Pancho Fauno. The Cisco Kid. Cisco Kid in our exciting story, Outlaw Brand. The branding of cattle as a visible means of identification was introduced by the Spanish conquistadores and carries on to the present day. But no one thought of a visible brand for the outlaws who infested the frontier when our West was young. Many lives might have been saved had people known that behind the smiling, handsome face of Vance Corden was a vicious, cunning streak, the outlaw brand of a killer. Our story opens as the bloody spurs worn by Vance cruelly rake the belabored flanks of his lathered mount as he heads the tired animal toward a small mountain ranch. All right, all right, you jug-headed broomtail, keep moving. It's smoke from the chimney. The old man's house must mean he's cooking a fatted calf for the prodigal son's return. <laughs> oh, hold oh, Saddled horse. Reckon the old man's got company. That horse might soon be minus a rider and have a new owner. Howdy. Anybody home? Vince! Vince, boy! Is that really you? Yeah. Yeah, it's me, all right, pal. Vance! It's so good to see you. <coughs> What's the matter, pal? You sick? <laughs> it ain't much, boy. I can get up out of bed. I'm... <coughs> just... Just coddling myself. <coughs> I need some money and a fresh horse, Pa. Well, what's the matter, Vince? <coughs> Something wrong? Now, look, I didn't come here to answer a lot of questions. If you want to give me the horse and money, all right. If not, I'll mosey along. No, 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 son. Wait, wait. <coughs> Who does that saddle horse outside belong to? Uh, to Jane Winthrop, the daughter of my nearest neighbor. That's so? Yeah, she wrote over to see if she could help with some of the chores. <coughs> uh, tell me. No, what's the matter, son? Tell me. I want to help you. I don't need none of your Bible preaching advice. 
Be humble. Don't follow the path of evil. Love thy neighbors. Uh, here, here. Hey. Let me help you, Dad. Mr. Huh? Gordon, you shouldn't be out of bed. You know you shouldn't. Well, I... Uh, I'm awful sorry, miss. I didn't know Pa was so sick, I thought. Vance Gordon. So you're Vance Gordon. Well, your dad talks about you all the time. Uh, now, come on, Pa. I better climb back into bed, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Easy, does it. Uh, Vance, this is Jane Winthrop. The best neighbor a fella could wish for. Oh, go along with you. You're just trying to shine up to me, Walt Gordon, so as I'll stay and cook dinner. Yeah, It'd it. be a great honor if you would stay to dinner, Jane. I'll do the fixing. Nonsense. I'll stay and I'll do the cooking. I know you and your dad have a lot to talk about. Now, never mind about me. I'll fetch some water and take care of things. On second thought, I reckon I'll stay here, Pa. I don't figure you'll turn against me no matter what happens. Well, I'll do anything I can to help you, as long as you're in the right, son. But if you're don't not... Don't you say it, Pa. Don't even think it. I'm in the right. You know, I reckon I'd have to kill any hombre who figured I was in the wrong. Even you. This just like it before Pancho gets sick back in Hermosillo. Just like the old time. What do you mean, Pancho? And there we were, riding along, minding our own businesses. We're not bothering nobody, nobody bother us. Now, and... tell me, truth, Chico, would you really pass by a wounded hombre who needed help? No, but why that wounded hombre gotta be so mysterious? And then why he gotta die before he tell us the name of the hombre while shoot him in the back? All I know is what I've already told you, amigo. But the worst part is that Pancho missed everything that hombre tells you, Cisco. Where were you? You sent Pancho to get the canteen full of water, remember? When Pancho bring her back, that hombre already died. Oh, see, that is right. Well, the hombre told me his name was Britt Lombard. Britt Lombard, huh? See? Where that silver Pancho he gives you? Here. Mm, there's nothing special about it. Britt Lombard said it came from the gun holster of his own partner, the coyote who shot him in the back. He tells you why the pine shoot him in the back? He was going to. He did not live long enough. Mm, riders come fast. Oh, that hoo. Oh, 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 oh. Unless I'm very much mistaken, those riders have the earmarks of a posse. Yeah, you're right, just go find to see two hombres with badges. <laughs> Hey, Sheriff Collins. You reckon these two are the ones who held up the bank and killed the bank clerks over at Springerville? I don't know, Grid. That's what I'm to find out. You're a stranger in these parts, hombre. I would not have been a stranger to you for long, Senor Sheriff, if I was coming to look for you. What for? Uh, ain't I talked to your deputy, talk to the sheriff. Well, why were you looking for me? Because of a dead hombre and a strange story. What dead hombre and what story? If you listen with your ears, Senor Deputy, and stop waggling them out, you'll soon learn. I don't take that kind of talk from a couple of renegade chuck line riders. Yeah, hold on to your temper, Grid. What's your name, hombre? I'm called the Cisco Kid, Senor Sheriff. And I call Pancho. So, it's a Cisco Kid, boys. And Pancho, too. Well, mighty peculiar that an outlaw like the Cisco Kid is just riding through this part of the country, and the bank over at Springerville just happens to get held up. Yeah, and let's not be forgetting them bank clerks that were murdered. Uh, Cisco, what that hombre do with your rope? Incha! Come 
Reno lynching. Yeah. Put up that gun, Cisco. Come on, boys. Take it from him. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Since you all seem to know of my reputation, who'll be the first to go against my guns? Well, sit tight, boys. I reckon these two are the hombres we've been looking for. After murdering the bank clerks at Springerville, they won't hesitate in killing any of us. There is no use trying to explain to a lynch-minded posse. Every one of you hombres. Remove your guns from your holsters carefully. Drop them to the ground. Andre! Better do it, boys. It's an order. This killer don't mind adding another notch to his gun. Anyway, everybody cop. Oh, my head! I told you to handle that gun carefully, deputy. You're not hurt. Just go and shoot the gun with your hand. Don't risk your lives, boys. Do as he says. Bueno. Now, senor sheriff, you are supposed to be upholding the law. That's what I'm doing. I ain't gonna rest till I catch up with you again. And you rest assured you won't ever get the drop on me like you have now. Come on, Pancho. Up, Kevaka. Go, 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 go. It's my boys. Get your guns. Stay where you are. We soon be out of gun range, go. Better get out of here fast. Hey, now. Up, Kevaka. Go, 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 go. Hope you and Dad have a good appetite, Vance. Dinner will be ready soon. Uh, reckon I'll go on out and look after my horse, Jane. Uh, you'll find plenty of grain and a clean blanket out in the stable, Vance. I loosened the cinch of your saddle, Vance. Your horse was very tired. Uh, yeah, yeah. You see, I rode hard when I heard Paul was sick. Well, your dad's going to be all right now that you're back home. Aren't you, Walt? Uh, if I ever get rid of this pesky cough. Now, you, you just be patient, Paul. Don't worry about the ranch. I'll look after things. Oh, would you take my horse over to the stable with yours, Vance? I sure. Be glad to, Jane. Thanks. You remember what we were talking about before, Pa? Yeah. You just take it easy and keep remembering it. He's a good son, Walt. Sure does worry about you. (laughs) Got them both, Buffalo. Come here, Cayuse. You two, you jughead. Got the gal fool into thinking I'm an angel. The old man's scared I'm the devil. Well, that suits me fine. Let's make a perfect hat out. What's the matter with you, Broomtail? Come on, move. Get in that store. You, you'll get in the other one. Hey, you get them hands up in the air, Vance. Up high now and keep them wide. All right. All right, don't shoot. <laughs> I won't. As long as you give me no cause to. Now turn around slow and careful like. Yeah, yeah. Hey. What do you want with me, Sheriff? Not Sheriff, just Deputy. Deputy Sheriff Grid Baylor. Grid Baylor? Well, I should have recognized you. So you become a Deputy Sheriff, That's huh? what the badge says, Vance. You and me always used to talk about how we'd get what we wanted when we was kids. Uh, looks like you decided to line up with the law. Is that what you wanted? I want the same things you do. I figure this is a smarter way to get it than what you're doing. I don't know what you mean, Grid. Can I put my hands down? Sure. As soon as we're sure, we understand each other. What's to understand? You fit the description of one of the Springerville bank bandits. We've been getting wanted posters on you from Texas, Vance. That's how I knew to come here. Yeah. I reckon everybody knows I hit the old hotel. No, Vance, only me. You see, I kept those posters for my information alone. You figuring to use them now? Against my own partner? Hey, that's not good business. Wait a minute. Why do you want me as a partner? Says we can share in the money you collected from the Springerville bank. I ain't been in Springerville. Don't lie to me. 
The hombre who did the job with you was found with a bullet in the bag. But I'm Listen, to... I can either turn you in and collect a fat reward, or we can work together and someday control this entire territory. Now, what'll it be? Uh, be your way, Grid. We'll split that bank money. Only they'll be looking... I forgot to tell you. They'll be looking for them two riders coming this way. Sheriff Collins and the posse are looking for them now. Hey, one of them's a Cisco kid. Yeah, that's a fact, ain't it? That vinegaroon shot the gun from my hand. What are you going to do about it? Kill them two Springerville bank robbers and deliver the bodies to the sheriff? We'll probably collect a reward. You going to help me, Vance? This Woodley gets a little closer, Grant. All right. Get Cisco forward this mouse. He's a perfect target. Pour it onto him. We can't miss. Now! And with so many bullets fired at such close range, how can Cisco and Pancho possibly escape death? In just a moment, we'll return to the Cisco Kid. Well, you know what? Uh, Mike loaded the wrong Cisco Kid show. Oh, so man. It's still a great episode yeah, of yeah. the Cisco Kid. Yeah. But we uh, we said we were going to listen to Lair Up and Lil mm-hmm. from May 12, 1958. That is not the uh, the name of this show. So okay. it was one show later than that oh. uh, on the uh, on the master. Um, we have them on, Episode list. We right. have them on, like, uh, D- digital files. Okay. So this episode is called Outlaw Brand, mm-hmm. and it's from June of 1958. So uh, please make a note That's of that. That's the folks. month I was uh, that I was born in June, my birthday, and 58. I was six years old when this. You were six? I think I may you have heard listen- this. You were listening. To I this. was. I honest to goodness. And you probably had your Cisco Kid outfit on at I the had, time. I did. Which would have been really cute. It, I'm uh, sure you would have looked cute. You should have seen some of the outfits. Okay. What when are we I was doing a now? kid, I was a, I was Batman. That was I. Well, but I, you come from an walk, older time, yeah. You know, or a late, Batman, earlier time. Batman you know. came out in '66. But but I'm talking about when radio was king. So yeah. So in '58, there was no Batman TV. No, there wasn't. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. You were You're from a TV. You were age. listening from to Hopalong Cassidy and the yeah, Lone Ranger. Yeah. Cisco Kid. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I just want to make sure everyone knows that we're listening to Outlaw Brand on the Cisco Kid and not uh, Lair Up and Lil. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's do that spot and then we'll go to news. Uh, texting and driving is very serious. Remember, safe driving is everyone's responsibility. Put that phone down. Don't text and drive. This message courtesy of D-Line Logistics Incorporated, serving you with quality and pride. For information, call 224-456-2713. That's 224-456-2713. That's D-Line Logistics Incorporated. On the air, reminding everyone, don't tempt fate. That text can wait. And I'll tell you this, there is no text worth losing your life over. That is true. And I've seen that, uh, that post, there's posters that mm-hmm, say that. Mm-hmm. That is so true. I see, yeah. and you know, just, I don't know, I think it was yesterday I was on the highway. Mm-hmm. A woman going, I, I'm not, you know, men do it too, but there right. was a woman in a car, mm-hmm. and she was going from lane to lane, and I looked over, and what was she doing? 
texting. texting. She's looking down. Her car is going in this lane and that lane. And she's just texting away. On the highway. On the highway. Which is worse because you're going faster. But it doesn't, it, it's, it can be on a regular street. I was driving back home from an event Friday afternoon and trying to turn left across the traffic and and this car comes slow like two miles an hour through the intersection blocking it the person on the phone yeah don't text folks when you drive back to wgn radio theater with earl amari and lisa wolf i think i sound exactly like lionel richie there singing that don't you Sounded Sound just like him. Nothing just like, him. like him. I'm gonna get a. I'm gonna get a singing contract. Yeah. Someone out there is gonna come at you with hi- a baseball bat. Is going to hire me. No, they're gonna. They're I'm, gonna sue you. I'm for hoping someone damages. out there is going to hire me to, to uh, <laughs> sing on an album. Yeah, and gonna give me a uh, comedy stand contract. A, stand, stand up comedy. Oh, it's gonna be a laugh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You know who laughs a lot? Who? Pancho. Oh, he does. Oh, Pancho. <laughs> they laugh a lot. All right. This is called the Outlaw Brand, June of nineteen fifty-eight. The conclusion now to the Cisco Kid. Back to the Cisco Kid in our gripping story, Outlaw Brand. After robbing the Springerville Bank and killing the clerks, Vance Corden shoots his partner, Britt Lombard, in the back and kills him. Cisco and Pancho find the body and later are accused of the murder and bank robbery. They attempt to trail the killer and run into a trap set up by Vance and crooked deputy, Grid Bailey. The two desperados pour a volley of homicidal gunfire at our friends at the very moment they stop their horses. We got both of them, Van. Hold your fire! Them gunshots will bring my pa and the neighbor's gal out of the house. You'll be sure and tell them I'm on the side of the law, huh? Consider yourself a member of the posse, Vance. Uh, getting rid of the Cisco kid gives me a perfect alibi and gives us a big push toward control in this territory. Don't forget who first saw the possibility of this setup. Who's going to be giving the orders? Don't worry, I ain't likely to. Good measure how to put an extra bullet through Cisco's head. First, make sure I'm dead, Curdy. Kill him! Try him! You try it too, Deputy! Shoot him! Yeah. Up on your feet, you skulking sidewinders! You deserve more than just a gunshot from your hands. All right, all right, don't shoot. Whatever you say, Cisco. So, this is how the law is upheld in this part of the country. I will see to it that you die. Uh, good work, Jane. You knocked him out cold. I sure don't like doing this, but when I saw him holding that gun on you and Grid Baylor, then... I gotta hand it to you, Jane. You sneaked up behind Cisco as quiet as a cougar after a lamb. You called him Cisco. The Cisco kid? That's right, Walt. This the Cisco kid. <laughs> Notorious outlaw. He's wanted by more sheriffs in the Southwest than a dogie has ticks. His partner's not dead. This is just a scalp wound. Get some rope, Vance. We'll tie these two and take them into town. Watch Cisco close. Careful, he ain't playing possum again. The Cisco kid don't carry an outlaw brand, Grid Baylor. <coughs> oh, Walt Gordon, you shouldn't be out here. Now, come on, let's get back into the house. Let Grid and Vance tend to their own business. But, Jane, I... know, I know, but your health is more important than a couple of bandits. Let Sheriff Collins handle We've got to keep Jane and my pa on our side, Grid. What are you worried about? Well, you heard what Jane said about Sheriff Collins. What Pa said about Cisco. I heard. Cisco and Poncho will never live to see the sheriff again. 
On the way into town, they'll be shot. I can say they tried to escape. Who's to prove different? <laughs> it's a radical sense they won't. Let's get that money you got from the Springerville Bank and get going. Yeah, sure. After we tie Cisco and Pancho, we'll go dig it up. <laughs> and after we deliver their bodies to the sheriff, we'll help dig them a grave. I can't believe it, Mr. Corden. Vance is your son. No, would... it's hard to believe, Jane. <laughs> With his innocent face and that nice way about him, it's hard for me to believe, too. Vance and Grid left Cisco and Pancho tied hand and foot to that big oak tree outside. Maybe we ought to go talk to them. Yeah, I reckon we should, Jane. <laughs> That's why I told you what I suspect. All right, but bundle up. Button your collar around your throat. Yeah. <coughs> it's a hard thing for a man to <coughs> to turn against his own son, especially when he wants to believe that son is not an outlaw. Are you sure you want to go through with this, Mr. Gordon? Yeah, I'm sure, Jane. I gotta find out the truth, no matter how much it hurts. You and me ain't the kind who'd let innocent hombres pay for someone else's crime. If what you think is true, then Grid Baylor is just as guilty. Maybe the sheriff, too. We'll take one thing at a time, Jane. <laughs> Make up our minds about them when we get all the facts. You gotta be the one, Cisco. That gotta be the senorita what knocked you out. I did what Pancho accuses me of, Cisco. You might have done the same if you had seen a stranger holding a gun on someone you thought to be law-abiding. What you did is understandable and excusable, senorita. The lump on Pancho's head from the bullet wound, that's the excusable. I have the mate to yours on my head, Pancho. Oh, I'm sorry. Really, I am. Vance Corden's my boy. (laughs) I don't want to believe he's bad, Cisco. But I got to know the truth. Why ask me, senor Corden? Because I've heard enough of the Cisco kid's deeds to know that <coughs> he, <coughs> he carries the law with him, even though he don't wear a badge. Yeah, you're right, senor. Cisco always on the side of the law. In Pancho, too. Well, if you're innocent of what they accuse you, it means that the deputy, Grid Baylor, is a thieving skunk. That is true. That's what he is. If you can prove any part of what you say, we'll cut you loose. Set you free. Very well, senor. Reach into my vest pocket. No, no, the other one. Bueno. What is it, Mr. Corden? The from me. Momento, Chico. Huh? Do you recognize it, Senor Corden? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Seems to me I've seen it before. Yeah, Jane, you saw another just like it on one of the gun holsters Vance is wearing. That's right. The concho from the other holster is missing. This is it. Where did you get this, Cisco? From the hands of a dead hombre. Before he died, he gave it to me. And said his bandido partner could be identified by it. See, in that party, the one was shoot the hombre in the back. Oh, no. No, not Vance. Yeah, Vance. My own son. I always knew he was wild and a bit ornery. But I didn't ever think he was a killer. I'm sorry, senor. You're a kind man, Cisco. To be sorry after what Vance has done to you. As soon as I get my pocket knife out, I'll cut you loose. 
Hey, that my deputy Julius. Stay away from them prisoners, Walt. What do you mean by trying to cut them ropes? You know that's again the law, Pa. You don't have to pretend no more, son. I know you for what you are. What's he talking about? What's that in his hand? It fits, don't advance. Where'd you get that? From Cisco. Britt Lombard gave it to me before he died. He says... He's a lion side one. If he told you, I shot him in the back. And it's true. Yeah. yeah it's true, all right. <laughs> I never mentioned that Britt Lombard was shot in the back, Vance Corden. And when you say it now, you admit you do the killing. All this blabbering means just one thing to me, Vance. Yeah. Ain't no other way out, Grid. Even though he's your old man? Do I ask you what caliber bullets you carry in your belt? But he's your father, Vance. You wouldn't do it. I got the gal. Grab my paw, Grid. I, I, I got him. Let me go. You sheep stealing rawhiders. Uh, we only free if we. Shut up, you Shut up. You ain't. And the only time you'll be free is when you're dead. Come on, Vance. Let's get your pa and Jane into the house. This job has to be done so there's no way to trace the doers and so there's no corpses to tell of the doing. Dynamite. Madre mia, that dynamite. Those coyotes mean what they say. They go to blow us all to beats. Keep working at the ropes which tie you, Pancho. I can only loosen mine enough to... What are those mavericks doing, Cisco? I think they are testing how short a fuse they can use and still not hurt themselves. I think the ropes are stretching a little. Pancho, wish those sidewinders blow themselves up with that dynamite. I still wish to be able to turn them over to the law. Uh, there's nothing worse than a pakrat or try to kill his own padre. He not really dynamite the house while Senor Corden and Senorita Jane inside his school. I believe that is exactly what he intends to do, Pancho. Otherwise, why would he have tied them and left them there? Cisco, let Glyph Bell and Vance Corden coming back now. Um, Pancho, wish Pancho's ropes a little looser. Keep tugging at them, Pancho. The ropes will stretch. We may free ourselves in time to stop those killers. Set that dynamite alongside the house, Vance. I'll light the fuse. Go ahead, light it. The dynamite's set. Hey, those murders. Look, Cisco. They light the fuse. Lucky it is a long fuse. Pancho, I've pulled my hands free. Get your pocket knife, Cisco. See? Cut the ropes from your feet and from Pancho before those coyotes see you. Here's the knife. There the ropes from my feet. Now for you, amigo. Andale, Cisco. Those mavericks shoot you dead if they see you. See the tree? Stay where you are, Pancho. Pretend you are still tied as I am doing. Keep an eye. Here they come. As uh, soon as I get this dynamite fuse lit, you two and them two in the house are going to have a real bang-up send-off. I'd cut the gab and light the match, Vance. There'll be no match left, Vance Corden. Cisco's loose out of the way. I'll cut him down. Missed me, you mother. Yeah. Pancho helped you with his killer, Cisco. Dynamite at the house, Pancho. Get it. Detach the fuse. Pancho, don't do it, Cisco. Not if I get hold of you, you fat babble. You are going nowhere, Marek. There's nothing more despicable than a son who would murder his own father. Bash your head in, Cisco. <laughs> I've been waiting for the chance to settle with you, Grid Vader. Oh. 
¡Pancho! ¡Santos! ¡Pancho! ¡Dale, Mike! ¡Quiero de ver! ¡Madre mía! Thanks to you. He, he give Pancho your knife, Cisco, and Pancho cut the ropes. Uh, I don't know what to say to you, Cisco. Even though I know Vance is a killer, that he carries the outlaw brand, I... Do not try to say anything about it to me, Sayer Corden. I understand, and so do you. Those who wear an outlaw brand must sooner or later pay for their crimes. That is the way of justice. Si, Pancho. And that sheriff more surprised than anybody to learn his deputy, a bandido. You know, I was glad to find out that the sheriff is an honest hombre. Yeah, too bad uh, another honest hombre like Senor Cordon got to got a killer son like that Coyote Vance. See, si, see si it is. But though Senor Cordon feels badly, he knows it is right for his son to have to pay for his crimes. Yeah, that's right, Cisco. And Pancho feel the same way for Cosmin the law four times away, Emiliano. You mean your distant cousin Emiliano is in jail? He in for two weeks. Well, what did he do? Oh, he killed a hombre. And they gave him only two weeks in jail? Yeah, then they're going to hang him. Oh, Pancho. Oh, is this the... Oh. <laughs> So ends another exciting adventure with O. Henry's famous Robin Hood of the West, the Cisco Kid. Be sure to listen again for another thrilling adventure of the Cisco Kid. Cisco Kid was played by Jack Mather, Pancho by Harry Lang. That's a Cisco kid going back to June of 1958 for Outlaw Brand, starring Jack Mather, Harry Lang. You know, for a while on this series, this was on a long, long time. Mm -hmm. It was on like, you know, 15 years on the air, syndicated. Mm -hmm. And for a while, Harry Lang took uh, ill and Mel Blanc filled in as Poncho. In fact, we've aired some of those shows. And this uh, particular series was syndicated by Frederick W. Ziv. You've heard of that name, Frederick W. Ziv? He did a lot of television. Mm Mm-hmm. But he was the, really the king of radio syndication back in the golden age of radio. Some of his shows.
show's Bold Venture with Humphrey mm-hmm. Bogart yeah. and Lauren Bacall. Boston Blackie, which we played tonight. Yeah. Mr. District Attorney was Great another show. one. Uh, and this show, The Cisco Kid. You know, the, But out of all of those that I just mentioned, you would mm-hmm. think, like Humphrey Bogart, Boston sure. Blackie, the most successful show that he ever syndicated, The Cisco Kid, yeah. was on about 500 radio stations. And plus, in 58... I don't have the exact dates in front of me, but I remember watching Black and White Cisco Kid oh, on yeah. TV. Sure. And then it turned in to color. The 50s. Then it turned to color. Well, because we put the color, you know, sheet of plastic in front no. of it with the rainbows. They started filming oh, them in color too. That. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah, they started. <laughs> they started filming them in color. You know, they did the same thing with uh, the Lone Ranger for a yeah. while. It was black mm-hmm. and white, and yeah. then someone said, "Hey, you know what?" We better start doing these in color. And so, right. yeah, but Cisco Kid, well, I think, was the same way, too, right? I mean, yeah, they were black and white, and white for a while, yep. Yep. and then color. Interesting. Yep. All right, mm-hmm. let's uh, let's take a quick break with uh, your spot, and then we'll go to we'll go to Sounds good. America, our military is sacrificing for our freedom. Please take time to remember our men and women fighting overseas. This salute, courtesy of Alley 64 Bar and Grill in Palatine. They're the best-kept secret in town. Stop by 2001 North Rand Road in Palatine, or call 847-93. Three four six four zero eight. That's eight four seven nine three four sixty four zero eight. That's Alley sixty four Bar and Grill on the air, welcoming our troops as they return home. That's how he rides free. That's how you know, he, he rides was riding free. with uh, Cisco Kid, I think, uh, back then. Well, he took the taxi. That's right. He you took know, a, he, he took, took a t- taxi. He took an Uber. <laughs> he took an Uber. An Uber horse. An Could Uber. you imagine having an Uber horse back then with a wagon, like a little Surrey with a fringe on top? Yeah, you know, you can with a little Uber sticker on the back. Sure, <laughs> I would have. You know what? I'll tell you what. Uh, mm-hmm. If we were back then during the golden age of radio, yeah. I have a question for you. Back, okay. back in the golden age of radio, mm-hmm. right? You get to play one part. On the air. Who would you want to be? Would you want to be Lamont Cranston? Oh, my gosh. Would you want to be Boston Blackie? Would you want to be Sam Spade? Would you want to be Maisie? Would you want to be be Maisie? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Um, All right. One part. You get to play one part uh, during the golden age of radio. What part is it? You'd be Jack Jack Benny. Benny. Wow. You know know what would be great about... Being Jack Benny, mm. you not only could be the Jack Jack Benny on the Jack Benny Show, but he was guesting on all kinds oh, of I know. shows. He was all over the place. He was even on Suspense. He he four yes. or five times he did episodes of Suspense. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I, I would love it because it was so much fun. Yeah, not yeah. just the scripts, wow. but but when they would break each other up oh. and and crack each other up about uh, it was, something it that was they missed the a line biggest, or something it was the biggest yeah. show probably jack benny it has to be. that's a good that's a good one um i'm going to say <sighs> lamont cranston you like those mysteries. I like the yeah, scary. Yeah, yeah. I, well, right. it's not that they're scary, but, you know. No, the shadow wasn't the sh- scary. It wasn't it was scary. Intrigued. It was a mystery yeah. detective. Suspense. Suspenseful. Suspense was yeah, great, yeah, yeah, too. But Any work. I think I would want to play, I would want to play Lamar Grants. Did yeah. you know that, uh, this is, and this is not a joke, did you right. know that years and years ago, I bought the hat, oh, no. the cape, the scarf, yeah. and the ring worn by Alec Baldwin in, in the, the movie. movie 
1984 movie, mm-hmm. or I think it was 1994 movie, The Shadow. Yeah. So, and it's all I have it. You got it. The producer even did a you know a verification and all mm-hmm. that, so people mm-hmm. would know. I have it, and I've worn it for Halloween. And that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I, I have mean, worn what, it. What candy bag do you carry? That's when how you, much when I like the Shadow. And, and I also have mm-hmm. two blue coal rings. You know, uh, blue coal was a sponsor, mm-hmm. and they had the coat this, rings. They, it was like a glow-in-the-dark Ooh, ring that they okay. gave away one year. I have two uh-huh. of those. But I have the actual ring that Alec Ball... He has big fingers, by the way. Really? It, it fits on my thumb. So his, you know. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I have the ring that Alec Baldwin mm-hmm. wore in that movie, along with the scarf, okay. his cape, yeah. his whole cape, All and right, the so, hat. So here's what you're going to have to do then. Yeah. You're going to have to wear it yeah. on Halloween weekend when we do I'll the Halloween it. shows. I'll wear it. And and then Lisa will wear something. What do you have that uh, a costume from a radio show for a lady? Do you have anything? She'd be Margot Lane. She'd have to be Margot Lane. There you Lane. go. Okay. Yeah. You and guys you'd have to it? be Shrevy. You'd be the cab driver, Shrevy. But there you you'd go. be a new, driving an Uber. I need. I need. <laughs> Back to the Uber. Horse. We made it. Back did a hundred? We did a three hundred and sixty degrees there. You, there. Go. you Pretty did good, it. right? Boy, are I almost you said one hundred and eighty, and that's, that's not right because it, it, it's three sixty. <laughs> right. That's all the way back to it. <laughs> you, but yeah, I know, and I have it, and I'll wear it for this Halloween. You've okay, got to. and I'll let you wear it too, Roger. Well, you can wear it too. I am not worthy. Yes, you I will are be worthy. the cab driver. No, it's I'll be happy. Worthy. Are you doing the news at two o'clock? I in the think morning? I am. All right, so then I'll I'll say who the sponsor is. How's uh, that? that sounds and by great. the way, Dave Plyer's up next, mm-hmm. and I want to thank Shante Garth as our producer. She's yeah. amazing. Uh, and thanks to all our listeners. We'll be back um, tonight. Roger and I, we're going to play The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective, Mm. and The Jack Carson Show. And Howard Duff, of course, plays Sam Spade. And then he guests on The Jack Carson Show. What do you think of that, Roger? look at how you work that I'm telling you. You know what? Patting myself on the back, but my arm, my shoulder kind of hurts. So I'll let you do it later. Uh, Maybe.